Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Comics Collective, the weekly podcast where we talk about our favorite comic books and graphic novels. And on episodes like this, we talk to our favorite people making them. I'm joined today by comic book writer and cartoonist Kyle Starks to talk about his last few books that he has been putting out from DC, Marvel, and various publishers. You might know him from Peacemaker Tries Hard, Where Monsters Lie, or I Hate This Place. Hey, Kyle, how's it going? It's going really good, man. Marvel Unleashed, that's a good one. It was a lot of fun. I We can start right there. I did not expect okay. to care about the pet Avengers. And I need to know a little bit about where the character of D-Dog, why it's titled Marvel Unleashed, and just how that project came to be. Because it's a bit of a sleeper hit. Like I don't know that people know to go to the book Marvel Unleashed for the Pet Avengers. Yeah, I think that's true, unfortunately. Marvel Unleashed was, um, it was Marvel came to me, and they're going to call it Marvel Unleashed. They don't call it Pet Avengers. What they wanted to do was to make the Pet Avengers less of like a gag, like a novelty act. They wanted them to be like a, a, a noteworthy part of the Marvel Universe. Hence, no Pet Avengers. It's, it's diminishing, diminishing their value. Um, Marvel Unleashed, which okay. is a great title in my opinion. I think it's amazing. And so I was tasked with um, basically making the Pet Avengers not a novelty act. And the, I think okay. the inspiration for that was um, Donny Cates did a version in Thor that never went past like one issue. Mm-hmm. I'm sure editorial plans change or, you know, calendars change, who knows. But so they like that. They like the idea of like the sort of like tough, like cool version. Um, and I love pets. And I was like, if I can figure out a story, um, that does that and also does what what I would like to experience. Um, and I think I did. I'm real proud of that. I, I think it's a really I think it's a really good superhero book. I think it's a really good pet book. Um, I think it makes you feel things, which I think it's hard to do and in sort of modern superhero uh, arcs or whatever. Uh, I'm real yeah. proud of it. I yeah, I'm real proud of it. I'm a dog guy. It's got dogs in it. D dogs in it think... there's a dog. I, you know there's a dog yeah. in it. There's a bunch of dogs. I think you deserve to feel proud of it. And I like that you point to its ability to make you feel things. I feel like when I'm pitching Kyle Stark's books to people, that's the through line. Is it? It's always funny with good action and it'll make you cry. Like all the people that love Daniel Warren Johnson books for making you cry, like come on over to Kyle Stark's books as well. And so I, I'd like to talk a little bit about that. How do you feel like you go about injecting that pathos into your work? Is it something you consciously do or does it just come up as you go? No, I mean, so no, there's no accidents. I, I'm, I'm so type A about story. Um, there's no accidents. Um, even, uh, in fact, my, my sort of best friend and, and sort of virtual studio mate, I hope you can't hear that dog barking in the background. Um, Chris Schweitzer kind of gives me grief because even for a pitch, like I don't, it's not like a general idea. Like I'm pitch, I have to figure out the whole story. Like I can't go mm-hmm. in and go, oh, I'd like something with ghosts. It's like, no, I need to know everything that's going to happen. Um, or at least everything that would make the story interesting to me that I would want to tell. And for me, I like it when a story, I like it when they're fun. I like it when they're entertaining. And I like it when they make me feel something, um, whether that's joy or sadness or concern or I think I think for me they're my favorite kinds of stories especially the ones that, like you said like they feel like come in for this good time and it's like oh I got gotcha. you I got gotcha you just a little bit for a second because I think 
my stuff's so character driven. I mean, you have to have a story, but my stuff's so character driven. But it's like something has to happen to those characters. Like one, you have to care about them, and two, something has to happen to them. And the more it affects them, the more it matters as like a story beat and sort of an element of the story. So there's nothing by accident. I, I um, with Pet Avengers and with Peacemaker, both. I was like, I'm going to make people laugh and make them cry, because um, it makes the laughs better. It makes the story. It makes like a a book that's just laughs is a gag book, and I don't have interest in that. Um, but a good comedy does more than just make you laugh the whole time. It makes you feel things, and I think that's one of the the strengths of comedy. Um, it's also on the same that's that same tangent. Why I love horror because horror is a genre that exists to make you feel something. Um, and like with Where Monsters Lie, I try to make try to make you laugh. I try to make you scared. Like I try to do both. Um, and I think the best things, when I say that, I think the best things have all that stuff in it. I think the story you go, well, what is, what is this show? It's like, it's everything, right? Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't, I, nothing's by accident, man. I, and I, I don't, I, I don't go in going for, for, for where, for, I don't want to give anything away for Bombers and Leech if you haven't read it, but, um, if you have a pet pass away, they send you this card. It's called the Rainbow Bridge Problem. And it's somehow the saddest thing it's somehow sadder than the pet dying which is crazy but it's also like super optimistic and for me as a pet owner if you if i if, if someone's like oh i have i have pets you go oh do you know the rainbow they'll me like fuck the rainbow bridge you're like yeah but it's amazing right and i was really interested in sort of the asgardian rainbow bridge and sort of figuring out if it was somehow connected to this other rainbow bridge where they said pet avengers it was like the first thing i thought of um and, you know, they were like, we want to make them cool. And I'm like, well, what's the, what's like, who can I, what's the biggest I can have them fight? And it's like, well, what if you had them fight the son of the devil and they go to hell? That's what I wanted to do. Like the Pet Avengers go to hell. Like that's so messed up. Um, yeah. But I, I had this ending I want to do from the beginning. Um, and I was like, you know, I want this to happen. I think it's important. I think it makes the story better. Along with showing like, you know, Throg is um, uh, considerable. Chewie is considerable. Like they're, they're major threats. Lockjaw, like, the idea that someone hasn't taken Lockjaw and just made them just like sort of an S tier like problem um, yeah. doesn't make sense to me. Uh, just based on how that character has been represented past, so I'm like it's already there. Like all you do is have to put them in a scenario where they're not a joke, like right? where they're not where they feel like characters, they feel like people you like, even though they're not. Um, so yeah, none of that's by accident. I, I whenever I, that's part of what I think of is like what what is the hook into this character that interests me in any way, and what do I want to what do the highs and the lows you want to go through that nothing's but i wish i was the type of person who could be like all right let's just do a ghostwriter story and hope it turns out good it's yeah. i'm super type a i'm i'm type a almost to a problem we were talking before this about how i had a i had a book approved that i pitched for four issues and they wanted five issues and like it causes a problem it's going to affect everything because i pitched that story with five issues or four issues and i know i've said i've spoken to peers and they're like oh more more stuff and i'm like mm, everything matters Everything matters. I don't. I don't do throwaway bits. I think if you look through my past stuff, that if there's a joke, it it's almost either set something up. Almost every time, I'd say ninety percent of the time, and only because I might have done something I just thought was funny at the time. It either sets up something later, or it says something about that character. And it's funny. Sure, it's funny and it's entertaining. I think the same thing about fight scenes. Everything serves a function, and it's to make these characters, it's to present these characters in a certain light, or to set up the story in a certain way. Um, and it's bad and good, um, but yeah, I, it, it's all planned. Everything was planned with Marvel and Leech. Everything was planned with Peacemaker. All of this is always planned. That's it's really interesting. Returning to this four issue series that's becoming five issues, I feel like 
the most common thing as the length of our comics is shrinking, right? It's gone from 23 pages an issue when I started reading to like 20 pages an issue now. We went from six issue arcs to five issue to now we're approaching four issue. And most commonly, I'm finding other comics leaving the interpersonal lives of these characters on the cutting room floor. Like, I don't remember the last time most of the superheroes did something that didn't involve their mask punching someone. And that is absolutely not the case in your comics. So I want to know how you keep all those moments in such a tight page space with without losing anything else. Because it feels like something that, frankly, like you are one of the only people that is consistently still doing this. And I want to know how. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I is when so I was doing OGNs when I started, and, and the great thing about sort of self-publishing OGNs is there's no page count. So you can put yeah. everything you want into it. And like I said, I'm very character driven. There has to be a story. The story is so important. But I'm so character driven, like spending time with these characters and sort of like how they re- it's the most interesting thing to me. And frankly, I feel like it's what separates me from every, I mean, it's what makes a Kyle Stark's book a start. Kyle Stark's book um, is not all of the cool things that happen so much as spending time with these characters. Um, and yeah. they have interesting things happen to them. So at, once I started going to, to monthlies, for sure, having to figure out how to have both is the hardest part. And um, yeah. again, we were talking before start. I'm a big fan of, of this story is the worst, the worst day. Like this is their day. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't love, and I actually have a couple coming out. I have one coming out that actually does this for sure, which I thought was interesting because I thought it turned out pretty good. But I don't like it when it, I, for my stories, I'm like, this is two days. It, at most it's two days. And because I like to experience things in real time because I think that pacing is important for action and for comedy and, that's just how I like my stories. I, I don't want I I don't want to spend ten days and twenty pages with someone. It's like let's let's just have the when they deal with this one thing, and then the next one will be to deal with the one thing. Um, and because of that, it kind of gives you a little more space to sort of have those character moments. Um, but yeah, I think that's like I don't know. I don't think my strength is. I don't know if my strength is. Wow, what a great series of events. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's it's look at this guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, look at this guy. Look at what he's doing more than yeah. like, a, wow, that ending was so what an ending or, and I don't, th- I don't think I'm bad at those. Um, Matt Kent had some, I just saw a commercial for a Matt Kent book for a, a bad idea. And he was like, this guy is going backward. This guy's going through time and he can save at certain spots, but he can't go forward. So he's sort of re experience. And I'm like, I don't even know how I could write that. Like, I don't know how I, I, I'd have to get like a, a chart thing out. And I'm like, ah, that's not fun for me. Like, that's not what I want. I'd rather be like, a dude went to go buy something and something bad happened. You know what I mean? It's just one thing. And we'll deal with that one thing. For me, because um, I'm at the front, but I was like, man, that's cr-. like, he always has the craziest, like, it's always so big concept. And I can't do that. I can't do that. But I think I can make likable characters or even unlikable characters that you like to spend time with. Um, and it's just what I do. So you have to focus on that. You have to focus on that. But it's funny you say that because it's like, I, like all of my super, like if someone's like, hey, would you do fill in X? I'd be like, yeah, but they're getting like a social life. Not, like, yeah. why aren't any of the Avengers married? Do you think they talk about that? Do you think they're like, is it us? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> are we too married to the job? Like, they have to have hobbies, right? Like, they, I mean, yeah. even if you're, even if you're the best superhero and you're busy all the time, you still have to eat food. You know what I mean? Yeah. At some point, you have to get food. 
I don't know. I think about that a lot because, and I think there's a psychosis here. You know, you can sort of like, if you go, if you self-reflect enough. And I think a lot of that is, is because um, for me, my favorite superhero stories were like the X-Men playing baseball. Uh, yeah. So I think like, those are like my favorite bits are those bits. It's like all the superhero stuff is awesome. Right. Mm-hmm. We love it when you trick Galactus. I don't know. That seems like a character thing too. I don't even know. Like, what's the big fight? I, it's like it's like I'm a rest. I like pro wrestling, right? Which is, mm-hmm. but I don't like. I like horror, and I think they're the same. The same in the same regard. I don't like pro wrestling because they fake fight. I do like the fake fights, but it's like I want to. I want a cheese ball story that makes me yeah. care about these characters. And horror is the same. Sure, I love to see someone's arm get chopped off. Who doesn't? <laughs> but give me, I want a good reason. I want to see, like, I want to be led into that arm being chopped off. So, yeah, yeah. I wonder, uh, listen, just even like Wild Dog, which is coming out right now, it's there's not as much of that. But, like, he's getting sued by the university because he wears their logo, which is true. I didn't make that up. He wears the, the university's logo is the Red mm-hmm. Dog. And but I'm like that's a character that's a thing that's like that's a bit where you go that would happen to me like I <laughs> you know what I mean like if I was just like it's yeah. like I Walt Disney gave me a cease and desist on my Etsy shop I think that stuff's <laughs> so much more interesting and the other stuff happens because we like we have to have the spectacle of it and that's all good story and with superheroes and and almost even I mean almost all comics are spectacle right you have mm-hmm. to have the spectacle and I love the spectacle but like. It's more interesting to me of like how does how does the bird how does the bird hero interact with the cat hero? You know what I mean? Like that's more interesting yeah. to me. Um and I so for me it has to be there. Because I feel like those moments if done correctly are more important. That's not the right word, but the the value they the value they bring to those characters and to that book, it's more engaging. And then you get the spectacle on top of it and you lead to the spectacle. But if you do those things before, here's, um, you know, here's, here's Red Wing and here's Chewie and Red Wing kind of doesn't respect Chewie because, you know, Chewie's a cat and he's a bird of prey. When you get to that end in the big climactic battle, the big spectacle, you get to have that moment where that changes. And I think that makes mm-hmm. it better, right? Or to see D-Dog saying, I want to be, I'm just going to talk about Marvel Unleashed, that book that no one read. I, D-Dog going the very manga style, like, I want to be the greatest hero of all time, but it's just the dog. To see them have their hero moment, to me, to where they go, where they do that speech, and they're like, we're going to do it now. Like, I, that makes me, like, oh, this character can, can, can get it, you know? And I think Mm -hmm. if I feel that way, then the readers feel that way, but that's what I love. There's, I love those moments, and so, going the longest way around, like, I write to those moments. That's what I want to feel. Those are what I like in stories. So yeah, yeah, I make it fit because I think you have to. Um, but it is in a in a twenty page issue. It's it's excruciating. It reminds me a lot, and he could never write a twenty page comic book. But Stephen King, when he is critiqued for how long his books are, he says he doesn't want to leave off any of the chrome from the story. He's like, listen, I can give you the most basic. These kids are going to go fight a clown. He's like, but you're going to remember the time that they build the dam down by the river. Yeah, because that makes yeah. you care about all of them. He's like, every scene you mm-hmm. remember from it has nothing to do with that that clown. And if it does, it's because it's playing on a fear that we established earlier 
in a normal moment with these kids. And yeah. I agree with I agree with Stephen. We are I'm of the like mind with Stephen King. <laughs> Kyle Starks and Stephen King agree on this. That's the two of this us. particular moment. Yep. Everyone else not into it. Do you find yourself drawn to characters like Wild Dog or Peacemaker? or the pet Avengers because they're a little bit closer to the ground and you feel like they have more moments like that. So there's a lot of answers to this. Um, I never like, I never like the most popular thing. And that's not because I, I'm like some sort of like hipster elitist it's because <laughs> the, the, I can, if there's something about an underdog, you know what I mean? Yeah. If there's something about a common man and an underdog that to me is really attractive. My favorite FF member is the thing. I know it's everybody's, but mine was because he was just a blue collar guy. Like my dad was a blue collar guy who was tough and like that. I can get it. Um, I like Nightcrawler. No one like that was no one on. No one was like, I'm a Nightcrawler guy in 1987. Nobody was. Cause I know cause I was the only one. Um, and that's not because I was obstinate. It's just, there was something about, there's something about these characters. They gave them one little thing and they're like, they're like, no one cares. Like we can give them one little thing. Um, that I always was soft on on the smaller characters. One, I always like characters that are a little bit weird because for different reasons. So, I mean, like, Wild Dog is a great one. I've loved Wild Dog. I love the Max on Collins, uh, Terry Beatty story, the four-issue series. It's set in Quad Cities. That's the Midwest. If it's set in the Midwest, I like it because everything's mm-hmm. in New York slash Metropolis slash Gotham or L.A. And that's not comics. That's all media. And yeah. to me, like, I don't live in that place. And if we're going to be frank, most people don't live in those places. So to me, like, what do I care? Like, what do I care? Give me, give me a guy who's walking, who's trying, who's the one guy who's trying to solve crime in Indianapolis. You know what I mean? Like how much crime is in Indianapolis? Yeah. I don't know. If there's, if there's 3 billion supervillains in Marvel or in Metropolis, there's probably 30 in Indianapolis, right? Like, <laughs> I'm not saying they're good. Like, they're not good, but there's 30. Yeah. So I, I liked Wild Dog because it sort of promoted that. I also like Wild Dog because, in my opinion, it's like a bizarre attempt to try to recreate the Punisher. Um, Absolutely. There's a lot of different reasons, but him sort of being a Midwestern guy who's just... These guys are almost always... D-Man is a big one for me. He's just a guy who's kind of doing the best he can, who's trying to make the world better, and probably isn't suited for it. Peacemaker, the same. Like, Peacemaker is like kind of knows he's no good, but is so his ego is so driven, he won't accept it. I mean, he kind of knows. Like, he's not going to win a fight yeah. with Superman. He's never going to try to fight Superman. He's, he wouldn't eat. I mean, maybe he would uh, in a moment of hubris. Of, of, <laughs> of Like, maybe I can, he'll say. And he's like, no, that was dumb. Um, I, there's something about that. But alternately, which is which James Gunn has exposed, but I think it's always been true for if you're like me and you like D-Man, you know, I like uh, like uh, like ninety three. I think that's right. Ninety two Nomad. He has a baby mm-hmm. and a motorcycle and a shotgun. Like I love those because it's like, what is this? It's so different yeah. and it's unique. And I just see like how many op- how many opportunities exist to do more than sort of a regular superhero story. But James Gunn all in the same. So why why? But I would have been Wild Dog any time in my life. But because people care less about those characters too. Like my mm-hmm. Wild Dog is not Wild Dog. He's closer to Peacemaker. He's sort of the kind of characters I like, which are like dummies who overcome themselves. Um, because that's okay. me. It's just like a dummy, like trying your hardest and it works out. You know what I mean? Like that's a great, that's a great story for any story. But he's a little yeah. bit more sarcastic. He's because it's more fun than just like a tough guy growling. And um, it makes him more unique. And I think if you were one of those, if you were not in Gotham and were a sort of a street, you would be different. You would be different. And so like, yeah. 
you can sort of play around more with Marvel and least, you know, I'm so character driven and they gave me five characters with no personalities. They're pet, they're animals. So mm-hmm. like, well, how am I supposed to tell the story? It's like, I have to, I have to apply character. I have to figure out what the characters are that no one's done in these characters entire existence. Or if they have, I didn't see it. And that's no offense to anyone. I've not read all of the, you know, Chewbacca, Sassy Danvers um, stories for sure. Um, but you have to figure out how to make those characters. And also like, so it get, there's a freedom that no one, no one has said, you think Red Wings like that? No one said that to me. <laughs> like, I don't think that's an accurate portrayal of that bird that's never spoken. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I think people care a little bit less because they're not like iconic. They're not beloved. Um, I do know there's like a, there's a lot more wild dog fans, proud wild dog. Everyone, listen, everything is someone's favorite. And yeah. I try to keep that in mind when I approach anything. Lobo is our Lobo. Lockjaw is, Lobo is a bunch of people's favorites. Lockjaw is somebody's favorite character, right? Yeah. And so you want to respect that and be true to that. But the number of people who will go like, that's canonically not accurate is much smaller for wild dog than it is for Nightwing or Deathstrike or Deathstrike, Deathstroke or whomever. You know what I mean? Even Peacemaker, yeah. no one cares. Like, no one cares about, like, the, you know, the 1984 um, Jurgens. I think it's a Jurgens here. I can't remember who wrote it. I have it. I, uh, no one cares that it doesn't match up with that, mm-hmm. right? It's like, this new version is the best one, and that's kind of one of the great things about comics um, with all these characters is that if, if someone comes along and goes, but what if they're like this? Hawkeye, I think Fraction's Hawkeye is a great example of that. No one was like, that's not, I mean, maybe they were. I can't speak to that, but that's the this is a yeah. better version like this is a really good version that we can all like everyone can will love seeing them and all the people who write them can only see things that are right for opportunity um so yeah i can't remember the original question i know i got way far off <laughs> i'm still thinking no, about it's... captain america like buying um care like which which holiday popcorn should i buy for like which tin <laughs> chocolate strawberry does anyone like strawberry he has one of those no, grandma tins of cookies that always have all the sewing supplies. He has those yeah. with cookies inside them. Like that's what Captain America. Yeah, he's buying, he's buying the popcorn one that has three different kinds of popcorn. He gets it at the mall. He ends up getting mm-hmm. red, white, and blue because he, it just seems like at least it's on theme. And everyone's like, we only eat the white part of this. Yeah, it's like, has anyone ever eaten popcorn flavor? Yeah, <laughs> the red one. You put you put it in your mouth one time. You're like, Grandma, why did you buy this? Yeah, or in this case, you go Steve Rogers. Dude, also still you got enough money, Steve. Can you just buy his watches next year? <laughs> anyway. I really like your point about setting things in the Midwest. As someone who grew up in Utah, I I mean, Napoleon Dynamite is the closest to my lived experience I've ever seen on the screen. And I never thought about the success of James Gunn's Peacemaker. Obviously, James Gunn's had a lot of success with superheroes. But I think there was something so indelible about setting that in sort of this amorphous Midwestern place because it made the stakes feel simultaneously small and big for those characters in a way that they wouldn't in Metropolis. So coming off of the Peacemaker television show, the only time this character's ever been popular, frankly, you get to write Peacemaker Tries Hard, which I feel like is an excellent, like Peacemaker 1.5 to whatever they do in season two. Like I adored Peacemaker Tries Hard. So what was it like taking this new version of the character and writing the first major comic about him since. I mean, it was great. I, I love, I love that show. It's very much the type of thing that I enjoy. Again, it's a big dummy sort of overcoming himself. Mm -hmm. He, he's, 
he's like so dense, but also like sort of self-aware enough to know he needs to improve, which I love. I love that character. I think it's a very modern character where he's like, I'm garbage, but I could probably be better, but maybe I can't because maybe none of us can. But also he's like very accepting of everyone. And I think that's a, a very common trait that's rarely portrayed in media. And I think that'll change, obviously, because as people change, we represent people. I think we're becoming more like that. I love that character. I love that show. I really enjoyed it. Um, that was a good summer for me. The Reacher show was on Prime 2, which is also like about a, kind of a, not a big dummy, but like a big tough guy doing big tough guy things. So I was really kind of living my best TV life that summer. And, you know, I got that gig and, and I, I preface this, which is this is not how you get any gig ever. But someone tweeted, why isn't there a Peacemaker series and why isn't Kyle Starks writing it? And it was like that moment they tagged me in it where mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, I could write like it's 100 percent what I do. Like I could write this. This is the character I could write. And so I retweeted it. I was like, ha, 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 call me. And somebody did. And like, that's not how it works. But they did it. And they're like, well, what do you want to do? And I'm like, that. We'll do more of that, obviously. Um, and so, you know, they, they let me pitch because they wanted to line up. Obviously, we're, we're, we would like to think all these publishers are smart enough to strike while the iron's hot. And the population larger than comic fans like something that's in comics so that we can bring them in. Not which is that thing. You come in and buy Peacemaker tries hard and maybe you check out X other book. You know, one of Matt Kent's books or the new James Tinian or who no, something something Saga. I mean Saga works on everybody, right? Yeah. Maybe we get some new fans, but so yeah, I got to pitch it. My thing was I like the show. It it very much is it tells a story that is like the stories I've always told, which are they're big action, there's big laughs, but there's big emotion too. Um it's very character driven. And so uh, I knew I could do it. Like I said, I, you know, I think Peacemaker Tries Hard could have been anything. It could have been something I just did. Um, but getting to play with the DC universe and, and all of the fun things that, because it's a black label, um, mm-hmm. that's a big factor. Cause like, I would be like, Hey, can I use this character who I was for sure? They'd be like, no. And they're like, yeah, that sounds great. And I'm like, okay, snow flame is now in the comic book. <laughs> um, a, a lot of that stuff. So the black label was, probably a big blessing in being able to tell a certain type of story and getting away with a little bit more. It was fun, man. The editorial, uh, editorial was one of my best editorial experiences of all time. Matthew Levine is, uh, who was the second editor. Chris Conroy was the main editor. They were great. Uh, I talked to Matt Levine almost once a week. Um, it was a really great experience. I really enjoyed it. My, my, I've, everything I've done for DC has been really, really enjoyable. They've been really good to me and letting me do my thing and incur- almost in- encouraging it you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. um and they've also reached when they reach out to me almost always it's like yeah that's a character i can do like it's not been something where i go why would you ask me to do that which it's kind of pet avengers right yeah like why would you why would you ask the guy who does adult action character driven stuff to do dogs you know what i mean no personality they don't have personalities but what will they do like they're not going to curse they're not going to (laughs) make dick jokes um so yeah, it was great, man. P- I I love peace. I I'm really proud of that book. Steve Pugh is like exactly the guy I want to work with on. Perfect. Um, the guy who's doing this wild dog, his name is Fernando Pastrana. He's unbelievable. I the, the books that I have coming that have came out this year. Let me make sure that's right. Stunning yeah. art. Stunning art. Yeah, I've been so lucky. Steve Pugh. Um, we had a bunch of lists, and my thing with doing these direct market books, these big two books, especially when I'm writing name the character like name the superhero um um 
uh, Hayes Hervis on Marvel Unleashed. Unbelievably good. That guy shouldn't be drawing a dog. But, that was, but it felt like you snuck something by. Like, I was like, how is this artwork on yeah, Head no Avengers? How? It, it was crazy. So good. I've been so lucky. And with those, we'll say those three guys, the Steve, I mean, Steve is like, because we they look, they look at these cartoony guys. And I'm like, no, you, this, that isn't how you want to do it. If, if, if we go in and we're like, wah, 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 and it's like clowns jumping around, people won't like it. Because it's silly and it's it's not taken serious, and so it's like you want it to look like a superhero book, and then they're just there's jokes. And the thing is, that's a drama or an action movie where you know Schwarzenegger makes a pun joke. It's not a, you're, it's not like I'm tricking anyone because it's like they're funny, but they're also cool superhero comics, right? So you, you want to think about the audience, and that was the thing. So Passer and um, Fernando on Wild Dog, at one point there was a very brief exchange where he was like, "Do you have any? Do you have any?" Um, do you have anything to tell me before I start drawing it? And I was like, yeah, draw it straight. Like, don't ham it up. Don't, don't have them like over animating unless it says specifically that they're over animating because it's a superhero story that is also funny. And mm -hmm. if it, if no one wants to read the superhero story, then they, it's what's the point. It was no point to it. And so he was like, Oh, and he's dude, Fernando Pesson, he's so good. I don't know if he's net wild dog. It's unbelievable. And he's like, oh, I'm glad you said something because like I was going to ham it up because that's your instinct is to go mm -hmm. with comedy. I'm going to make it funny. But it's like, don't. The dialogue's funny. The situation's funny. Just by experience it, you'll be like, oh, I get it. It's funny. Yeah. Um, and I think for the big two stuff, I've been lo really lucky with Hervis and Pew. I think Pew is like, I would work with Pew again and again and again. I just think he like that's exactly the kind of it's so funny because I keep going up each year. Like I get kind of better artists every year. Yeah, yeah. So I say that and then next year it'll be like, oh, do you want to work with like quietly or something and i'm like well yeah of course I, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that is but but like those guys um uh peter kowalski on where monsters lie um was so professional and his his stuff is pitch perfect for that book yeah like um fran galan on creep show and fran well i'm sure we'll talk about pine america in small bit fran galan did my creep show book and he's so good um i they're all fran galan i think is is could very well be a guy in a couple of years and was like this guy is unbelievable because I think he's so good. His art's so good. And I think that's true of all those guys. Um, but I'd work with Steve. Steve, like we clicked. Um, Fernando Passer, like I would draw, I, sometimes, because I'm a cartoonist, I think very visually. Mm -hmm. Like I see the story. I don't just think of, and so there's like a bit in Wild Dog. It's in the first issue, which is on shelves now. It's Brave and Bold, number seven, where Wild Dog is like hiding behind a counter and something explodes. So the explosion's sort of going over the counter. And I wrote that. But it's like, there's a million different ways. There's a million different angles. And like he drew the exact shot i didn't i didn't give him a thumbnail and stuff like that is priceless um mm -hmm. and steve was like the steve would be like here's the bit and he would elevate it it'd be a little bit stronger or sadder or better because he he's better than me right because he's better than me um but it still looked like yeah you know, i think and i think some of that is some of me wanting that so badly is because of of uh jli right mm-hmm like uh, with Giffen and Matthias and, and Kevin McGuire, it looks like a superhero book. Yeah. Like at no point do they go, it's not a superhero book. Come and enjoy the superhero book, which is why we're here. Yeah. And then they sneak in some character stuff. They sneak in some some jokes for you. Um, anyway, rip to that guy. He's great. He uh, was great. My last question for today is about uh, Pine and Merrimack. I know, I'm sorry. I've got I got to run in a couple minutes. It's okay. But... Okay. What can you tell our listeners about your upcoming series, Pine and Merrimack from Boom Studios? Yeah. Uh, so Pine and Merrimack is my new book. Um, 
FOC is December 11th. I don't know if this will be out before then or not. If not, you tell your story you want it anyway. Um, it's from Boom Studios. It's with Fran Galan, who's amazing. It is about a happily married couple. It's very I Hate This Place vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very I Hate This Place if instead of horror movies, it was like Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo or Twin Peaks, where it's sort of a small town, cozy mystery. Um, this this lady, uh, Linnea uh, Parker, was a homicide detective who found that she could not physically be around murder like it was too upsetting for her so she retires to go back to her hometown to start like a cozy detective agency her husband is an ex-mma fighter who comes with her because he loves her so much so very much that sort of i hate this place here's two people who love each other very much they're about to be in terrible danger Mm -hmm. um they they essentially take a case they should not have they pull a string they should not have and each book is an escalation so the you know the sort of first issue ends with like they're looking for uh, a missing girl the next issue is worse and then it gets worse and then it gets worse and then it gets even worse. Um, and uh, I'm excited about it. Boom, boom, boom said Twin Peaks Vertigo. And I'm like, those are great references because I yeah. think Vertigo is like, there's a lot happening, but it is kind of a slow burn and it's, it's character heavy. And at the end, there's a great, there's a really great moment. Mm-hmm. So it's different. It's different in that, in that regard. Like it's not like it's a, it's a nonstop thrill ride though. Certainly I think there's going to be a fight or something in every issue, because that's how I write things. And I put in mm-hmm. MMA man in it. Um, but yeah, I, it's, it's very, very, very much um, sort of a spiritual follow-up to, I hate this place in that I wanted to tell more stories about people who sincerely love each other, yeah. who we wanted to be around and not see bad things happen to who bad things happen to. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if you like, I hate this place, you'll like it. If you like, you know, Twin Peaks or, Vertigo, you'll like it. Um, I'm really excited. I think it comes out. I don't know when it comes out. It's like early February. Yeah, yeah, early next year. Uh, Pine and Merrimack. Um, yeah, a little cozy to take. If you like true crime, also, uh, I love true crime and uh, like the mystery is not probably very good, but it it goes from a mystery to something else to something else to something else. It's 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 good. It's a story I've been wanting to tell for a while. Um, and and when Fran did Creep Show basically he was like we should do something else and i was like yeah and uh he was like i don't want to do comedy or horror and i was like hmm you might be talking (laughs) to the wrong guy um and so we actually put together another picture which i'm hoping that we do after this i hope this goes really well because the next one's really good but this one i was like oh i've had this story that i'm like this is the one that i've kind of been sitting on where Mm -hmm. i think it's a great story and it's i don't think it's something you could do for like your first book because it, it does ask like people like you as a creator before yeah. Um, because it's a little slow burn. I do think the first issue is a banger. I'm so proud of that first issue and Fran yeah. is so good. Um, it's a really great first issue, but like the second issue is like, you can see the second issue is that, well, now we're setting something up and then three, four, five is like, um, it's going to be full bore in many ways. Uh, I love it, man. I'm real proud of it. I hope Fran, Fran is the most unique, I think, artist I worked with yep. over this year of working with great. He's a really great storyteller. I think he's, he colors himself. It's very painterly. I really think he's one of those guys, if you haven't heard of, you're going to. Because what's going to happen, I say almost for sure, we're going to do this book, which is going to do okay, probably. And that people read it. But someone very good, it, it, Mark Millar, I'm talking to you, is going to be like, I'm just going to take him. Someone's going to be like, I, he's mine now. Someone who, who has like, who's a really big writer is just going to take him away. Listen, the um, chance then, that Rick Remender or Mark Millar will steal your favorite artist is never zero. Yeah, steal them well, forever. It, listen, we're we're always looking for we're always looking for someone really good. I'm always trying to find people who I work really well with. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? 
Um, and I said, I've been really, I work with Steve. I work with Fernando Passer. And again, I told him, I was like, oh, dude, I work with you anytime. Uh, he was great. Uh, I'm loving Fran. Um, me and Piotr have an obvious thing that we're working on right now uh, that has not been announced, but I think you can put two and two together. Yeah. Um, uh, and I will do books like, I will do horror comedy with Piotr. Uh, I don't know if it's Piotr or Peter Kowalski. Anytime. I'll do it because I think like, finding people who you can work with that aren't frustrating or problematic or annoying or combative. And I've been really lucky for the most part. I've had very few of those guys or someone who doesn't try. Like, um, you know what I mean? Like there's some people yeah. who's just, they're just going to work and like, that's great if you're professional, but it's like, if it's, if it doesn't, if it's not unique, that's the other thing is like trying to find unique. And, and because of my voice, I'm doing air quotes. You have to find someone who can, who can tell the story in a way that gets that. Um, and that's hard too. Yeah. Um, there's things that I like to happen in a story that aren't always fun for an artist. I like repeat panels for beats, mm -hmm. um, where like it's the same panel three times, but someone's facial expression changes in each one. That's not mm -hmm. fun for them to draw. <laughs> like it's not fun. And I think for a lot of guys, you go, Oh, no one's going to look at this, this series of panels and say, what an artist, but it's like, but we're telling a story and this yeah. tells the story. And so there's certain things like that, that I like that maybe aren't always fun for, uh, for the other creative person collaborating with me. So when people are like, no, no, like I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it breathe. And sometimes they come in and they, they don't do that. They do something better. Yeah. And I like that too. Right. Um, so yeah, Pine and Merrimack, it comes out, I don't know, tell your story. You want it right now. If you like, I hate this place. If you, if you liked six sidekicks of trigger Keaton and wish it was more serious and darker, <laughs> um, uh, where monsters lie. I think if you like where monsters lie, you'll like Pine and Merrimack. If you just like a cozy little detective story about people who love each other and there's lots of punching, um, Pine and Merrimack. I'll say this. This is, I, I think I, I told you this before, but there's a store I really like and I sent them the arc and, and they were like, the cover doesn't, like they even said, like the cover doesn't do anything. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, no, you're right. It, this is a really hard book to sell. So I have to, the, so read it, right? Read the first issue. I think you'll be hooked. Yeah. I think anyone will be hooked. I think it's a fun first issue. Absolutely. So you heard it here first, everybody. I have read it. I loved the first issue. Go pick up Pine and Merrimack, number one. And then go pick up all the other Kyle Starks books. Thank you so much for your time, Kyle. Thank you for the comments. Yeah, yeah thanks for having me. Absolutely. Have a good day, man. All right. Bye.